Hi, I'm Rob Gore, and you're listening to Enjoying the Goodness of God. Chapter 1, Saved by Grace In February 1981, I met a beautiful young woman named Tony Escobedo. She told me that Jesus loves me so much that he died in my place so that I would not perish but have everlasting life. Hearing such remarkable words of mercy and grace, I consented to receive the love of Jesus, and I was gloriously born again. Words cannot adequately express the joy of knowing that you are loved and forgiven. Oh, to the glory of his amazing grace, by which he loved me and died for me while I was yet a sinner. The scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 3, verse 16. I fervently began to read the scriptures, relishing the life and joy that accompanied every fresh new revelation of Jesus. In a moment of time, Jesus had become the center of my life. I knew I was loved, forgiven, and blessed because of the grace of God. Everything was given to me by His grace. The miracles seemed endless, the joy uncontainable. About a year later, a thought entered my mind. It is time for me to grow up and no longer be a baby Christian. The thought seemed perfectly reasonable. Up to that point, Jesus had done everything for me. Now he was expecting me to grow up and become a mature Christian. I decided I would do whatever I needed to do to please God and become a mature Christian. I was determined to make God proud of me. I had no idea that I had just swallowed the bait of self-righteousness. Thankfully, I was planted in a wonderful church and surrounded by thousands of people who loved Jesus with all their heart. Together, we searched the scriptures and endeavored to believe everything we read. I began to learn about the Holy Spirit, faith, the wages of sin, righteousness, sanctification, holiness, different types of prayer, the authority of the believer, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the qualifications of a leader, the importance of giving, sowing and reaping, the tithe, the fivefold ministry, elders, deacons, the responsibility of a believer, and much, much more. As the years passed, I began to personalize every sermon I heard. It seemed that each sermon contained another secret or another list of what I needed to do to be a mature and successful Christian. I learned what I needed to do to please God what I needed to believe in order to receive from Him, how I was supposed to talk, walk in the Spirit, walk in love, and forgive others, why I needed to be patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and diligent, the importance of exercising self-control, resisting sin, resisting the devil, praying for the sick, visiting the imprisoned, helping the poor, praying for our leaders, possessing my soul, finding rest, interceding for others, and using my God-given talents. I knew I was saved by God's grace, but I also reasoned that to whom much is given, much is required. I wrongly concluded it would take more than grace to please God when you're a mature Christian. It was going to take faith. It was going to take being a doer of the word. It was going to take effort and perseverance. I must be responsible to stand in faith, resist the devil, 
use the weapons of our warfare, and I must persevere in tribulation. Though I would not realize it for years, I had fallen from grace. You do not fall from grace when you sin. You fall from grace when you try to fulfill the law. When I was born again, I knew I was totally dependent upon God's grace. He had to do everything for me because I was clueless. I knew I was helpless without Him. But now, as a mature Christian, I wrongly reason that God was expecting me to do my part. With each sermon, I would discover more of what He required from me. I began to assume that God would hold me responsible to do everything I had learned. I must be a doer of the Word. A beloved preacher even once said, If you do it, it'll work, and if you don't, it won't. Therefore, I endeavored to do everything I was learning. The performance rat race had begun. For many years, I experienced great satisfaction and pride in the results of my efforts. The fruit that came from facing my fears and pursuing God's direction for my life was quite fulfilling. I experienced many physical, emotional, and financial breakthroughs. I wrongly reasoned, if I wanted more of Him, He would require more from me. I must serve Him and be willing to die for Him. Somehow, I completely overlooked the fact that Jesus died so that I could live, not die. Unfortunately, I also had stubborn areas in my life that were not progressing in spite of my most ardent efforts. One day while listening to a sermon, I learned that the key to success was praying in the Spirit more. So I excitedly started praying more in the Spirit. From another sermon, I learned that the key to success was walking in love and forgiveness. Another sermon revealed that my lack of consistent tithing and giving was the reason for my struggles. Then another sermon revealed that unbroken generational curses were hindering my breakthroughs. Then other sermons revealed that I needed to resist the devil more, use the name of Jesus more, cast down imaginations more, and confess the word more. Every sermon was about me and what I needed to do more. I supposed I could fill this entire book with a list of things I was told I needed to do to enjoy a successful Christian life. Year after year, I experienced many victories, and yet I still failed to see progress in certain areas. I diligently searched for the reasons why my prayers remain unanswered. It seemed that the answer was always the same. I did not have enough faith. I did not pray enough. I did not give enough. I did not worship enough. I did not confess enough. No matter what the issue, the answer was always the same. I did not do something enough. It was never enough. I was never enough. Unlike many Christians who are taught that God brings us troubles to teach us, I knew God would never do anything to harm me. I knew He would never make me sick in order to teach me something. Nevertheless, I did believe that God would set some level of faith to which I must attain before He would act. I believed I would not get a miracle from God until I had enough faith. Though I was grateful for the faith that I had developed, I had accepted the accusation that I did not have enough faith. I hoped that one day I would have enough faith to please God and He would answer my prayer. 
I was determined to live my life to please God. I had not yet discovered that what pleases God is for me to enjoy life with Him, perpetually experiencing and rejoicing in His love and supply, an intimate relationship of love where there is nothing between us, where Jesus had become my joy and my peace, where He has become my provision and source of strength, where He has become the fruit of my life, he has become my success. He has become my salvation. We each have a unique story. We have all traveled different paths in life, paths that we have chosen, and some paths forged by the choices of others. Perhaps as I once was, you may be overwhelmed by life and its never-ending list of expectations for which you have few options, limited resources, and little strength. You may have lost the joy of your salvation and any hope of enjoying life. Your hopes have been shattered so many times that you may even feel like God has forgotten you and let you down. And like Cleopas after Jesus was crucified, a sadness has filled your heart. You may have determined to just survive. Jesus died so that you could enjoy life, not just survive it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Enjoying the Goodness of God. If you'd like more information about Rob Gore Ministries, just go to robgore.org. Remember, you're greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, and totally protected by Jesus.